Hello and welcome back to Ten of the Chamber, your Studio Trigger retrospective podcast. Uh, we are once again here with Marshmallow and Eros, and we are here to talk about episode five of Kill a Kill, which is aptly named Trigger. So this is my favorite episode in the whole show. It's also the episode that made me watch the show because I hated Kill a Kill until I saw this. So it's, it's, really, it's a really special episode. I guess that sounds weird, but it, it's a special episode for me. It's literally the reason why I am the way I am right now. Yeah, I I want to say that I I didn't think much of the of this episode at first for some weird reason, but then watching it back again, I really just enjoyed it, and for uh, for all the stuff that it's kind of presenting and all the seeds it plants in for for the story going forward. I feel like a lot of people will remember this as being uh, an episode that introduces a new character in here. Uh, so we meet uh, Sumugu, who is uh, based, who is basically working for the same organization that Mikisugi is working for, that being uh, new to speech. <laughs> um, and he is basically pursuing Ryuko for this for this whole episode try and basically take Senketsu from her. He wants to take Senketsu from her because he's afraid that Senketsu is going to turn into a monster and kill her, basically. And there's there's reasons for that. I guess it's in this episode. Yeah, they yeah, they go over it. He knew it. a woman who was, yeah, who, who knew a woman who was killed more, by Kamui, basically. Well, the way the way he uh, the way he approaches it, or the way he kind of words it to Mikisugi, and I think Ryuko also tells it to, basically saying, uh, uh, he knew a woman that believed that humans and clothing could exist, and that woman is dead now. I don't think the show really goes in a good direction with this, but I love that it brings up the idea of I believe that these two groups that don't get along can be friends, and I just. I really like that. I really resonate with that. I really love that Sumugu sees Ryuko and Senketsu as two people who can never get along because one is an, an irredeemable monster. But at the end, that they, they show him that he's wrong. Like, they love each other. They care about each other. And it's just, it really gets to me, like, the scene <laughs> in the bathroom at the end where Ryuko holds Senketsu close. And, like, that's kind of, like, an embarrassing thing, like hugging your clothes and <laughs> being so openly emotional and affectionate from coming from Ryuko who's kind of embarrassed about those things it's just such a big moment for her and she just doesn't care and she's like you gotta if you want to kill him you gotta kill me first it's just I guess I'm just jumping right into it <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're, I, I just, just... I'm just going straight I'm just going straight to it but this is the moment that made me watch the show that made me care about the show that made me give kill a kill a chance it was just so emotional I don't know the right word for it it was just emotional it just resonated with me it, it spoke to me <laughs> yeah and it just it gets to me every time it's... just when I see her hugging Sanchezu in that bathroom where she's like at at the end of the line she thinks she is going to die and she doesn't care she's just like I'm gonna die with you it's just 
Yeah. my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I th- yeah. Um, interesting that you mentioned that, especially with the, this episode being the fifth episode, um, because uh, my good mm-hmm. friend uh, Ref, who will be uh, on this podcast in a, on a later episode, um, basically uh, they they basically they have this rule that they that they kind of implemented themselves in watching like a new show or a new anime specifically, and they call mm-hmm. it the um, the four episode curse is kind of mm. the rule that they call it what it entails is that uh if an episode doesn't catch their interest within four episodes they will drop it just immediately and not ah. really care or give a fuck about it um and mm. and they said that um this show definitely kind of blew that out of the water with the, with the first episode you know it was mm. it was definitely one that caught their attention to the point where they didn't even they, they didn't care about like you know giving it like oh four episodes like let it sink in they just immediately got hooked on that um so you saying that like you did not like the show <laughs> until the fifth episode did remind me of uh, of that which is very yeah yeah i think a lot of people kind of approach have that a similar approach to shows they watch or animes or movies where if after a certain point they're not interested they just will not care about it i know yeah, i do I, mean, I, I didn't i didn't care about the show i i gave up on it but i was convinced to watch episode five we're like you'll like episode five and they were fucking right because <laughs> 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 like at, at, that, at that point i think episode uh, Gosh, I can't remember. It must have been episode 10 and just come out. And I'd seen episode 10. So I'd seen episode 1, 2, 4, and 10. So, and I was <laughs> okay. not impressed by any of these episodes, which I mean, I might have a different opinion on 10 now that I know a little more. But right. <laughs> at the time, I was like, I was not impressed by any of these. I didn't like it. It wasn't my show. And then someone's like, okay, well, just watch episode 5. You'll like episode 5. Yeah. And I did. <laughs> I love episodes. Yeah. Would, would you say that they kind of knew that you would like it because they kind of knew that you were more into like these kind of more character driven moments or like um... I have no idea why. This was my brother who told me to watch this and I have no idea why he told me to. I, in fact, okay. he only watched it because I briefly mentioned it and I'm like, it's a bad show. Don't watch Kill a Kill. And he watched it. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like, all right, yeah, but yeah, you should uh, watch this episode specifically. <laughs> and then he's like, watch episode five. Like, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I... And that's what got me interested in the show. I wasn't like the way I am now, like crazy. I have $2,000 of Kill a Kill merch. <laughs> <laughs> like now I'm crazy, but <laughs> but I wasn't like that until after I saw episode 18. But what's interesting is that both this episode and episode 18 are directed by Hiroshi. Oh wait, am I, am I thinking? Of, yeah, I think they're both directed by the same director, Hiroshi Kobayashi. And so I I just think that's interesting. <laughs> and Kobayashi actually went on to direct his neighbor like as the main director for the whole show. And I don't really like his neighbor that much. I really wanted to. But the direction of that show is just gorgeous. It's so good. It, it, mm-hmm. oh, like the, the story didn't hit me <laughs> the way I wanted to, but just the way that it that it's done and drawn and conveyed is so gorgeous. So I think he does a really good job. I think this episode is just yeah. so beautiful. He um, uh, uh, Kobayashi also did the storyboards for this episode. And I think there's just so many gorgeous shots in this episode. Like, I have a gif of just, like, a bunch of pretty shots I took from this episode. Because I think it's so pretty. There's this forum post written by um, someone named Jexius or Jex. I don't know how to pronounce the name. Um, they wrote it on NeoGAF, like, years ago. And they don't really like Kill a Kill, but they talked about how much they really liked Episode 5. And they say it's so much better than I could about, like, just how 
visually gorgeous this episode is in terms of the direction and just the mm-hmm. art. And it's it's just such a really pretty episode. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't I don't know how to like say this deeper, but it's just so many powerful shots. <laughs> like I, mean, I wish I could just like show some. But one of my favorites is when Ryuko and Sanketsu are arguing in like the middle point of the episode and there's like Mm -hmm. and you only see one of them at a time through this tiny hole in the door and it's like there's this literal wall between them and it's just it's it's a simple it's a simple decision but i just love that distance between them and how it's just so perfectly conveyed with the with the with with how it's shot how it's drawn yeah i just there's, I mean, I think the themes that like, uh, or not really the themes, but I think what happens uh, in in the episode between like uh, between Ryuko and Senketsu, just in a way, just trying to more or less protect each other against Sumigu. Because mm-hmm. in the episodes up to this point, Ryuko has essentially kind of gotten through her problems either by fighting the bad guy or outsmarting them in some way, or just trying to get to a certain goal and achieving it, but. In this episode, she doesn't really win. There's no real victory to kind of take from this. Only just kind of a like a lucky break that that uh, that that she gets, um, because for the most part, there's no real like fight in this episode. It's more like her just trying to survive against <laughs> the, the onslaught yeah. of attacks that that Sumigu's trying to uh, trying to get at her with, and. Like and through and throughout this whole uh, episode, we're also trying to like learn more about who he is. We see the Elite Four trying to figure out like like who this dude is that just showed up on their school and took out one of the club leaders. And, and especially now, also in this episode, we see that the club leaders are gonna start taking less. Um, they're 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 not gonna be as prevalent as the previous ones we have gotten up to this point, as they literally show up for only one scene and just get completely demolished by Ryuko who's at this point like <laughs> now fully synchronizes to Ketsu she's now just like oh this is easy just fucking blowing through everything just grinding for XP for life <laughs> pretty much like she's too overpowered and just getting through all these little low level enemies at this point <laughs> um, mm. I also kind of want to mention Mako's role in this uh, episode which um, it's I mean like yes it is very much about Riko and Sketchy's relationship but I think Mako also plays a pretty prominent role here um we have the scene of uh, Riko talking to Senketsu uh, like the night before uh, they have like their encounter with Sumigu their second encounter um and Mako and her family are spying on her, and we talked about this briefly in the in the previous episode about mm-hmm. um, their family commenting about how Ryuko talking to her uniform is so weird and odd. But Mako defends her and basically saying that you know it's like like her clothes are like probably the only friends she has at this point, which you know it's kind of also a bit weird like that. Especially Mako has kind of like inserted herself as Ryuko's best friends, like so prominently in the mm-hmm. in the past episodes. But she's saying here that um that Senketsu is like her only true friend, which you know, it's kind of weird that she's putting herself in the back seat in this instance. Well, I think per- personally, this is how I see it: is that Marco kind of d- doesn't see herself as important to Ryuko as Senkes is. I mean, she reminds Ryuko in the episode. Remember, you also have me. Senkes isn't your only friend, 
So I think she does kind of see Sunkets as more important to Ryuko, but she still considers <clears throat> Ryuko her best friend because Ryuko's the yeah. only friend she has. Yeah, well, yeah, like like Ryuko is Mako's best friend, but you know, yeah, Mako, yeah. Mako sees yeah. that uh, that Senketsu is Ryuko's best friend. Um, yeah, and she's with their girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like they, and they like kind of take that uh like um like you were saying also previously of how like Mako like has been like getting enough bravery from uh from ryuko or like ryuko is uh <clears throat> kind of influencing mako to stand up for herself more and mm. and we saw that with her in gamagori and here we see her doing it uh, against uh, sumagu which is kind of even more like surprising that she does that because at least with gamagori she kind of knows like like she's she's like she's a student with him so like she kind of sees them i, w- I want to say that she sees gamagori on a sort of even playing field with her despite him being in a higher position of power of her because they're both students at the academy but with sumagu who's a, just a complete stranger she does not know this person but she knows <laughs> that he's about to hurt ryuko so she takes the initiative to you know to, to stand up for her you know it's interesting because the manga adaptation of this scene totally cuts mako out of the bathroom like she's not there at all and on the one hand i can kind of understand that because i feel like what she says is kind of i think it's crucial for mako's character because i think it humanizes her in a way that you don't get in the manga and that i wish we got more of when she says that she understands being lonely and all that but at the same time, I feel like it kind of breaks up the flow of what's happening in the bathroom. So I can see why I was cut out in the manga, but I kind of wish it was taken somewhere yeah. else. I don't know. What do you feel? Do you, I mean, I, obviously, you like that moment, but I feel like it does kind of break up the flow I, in the bathroom, even though it is a good moment for Mako, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like, and like, in a way, like, um, I uh, I know that you've complained before about how Mako kind of represents this comedic relief in the show that keeps breaking away from the mm-hmm. from the serious moments that we have more, especially more later on. Um, but yeah. here I feel like Mako. This is kind of the first time that Mako has the ability to to take things seriously, even if it's kind of through her lens of being a bit more. A, a bit more like of a comic relief because like she because when she comes into the scene initially it's not like through like how she entered in during the satsuki fight in episode three where she just bursts in and says ryuko get ryuko get naked and but in here she like basically like hits sumagu in the back with uh with the mop and like there's no <laughs> there's no like break in the tension like the, she doesn't like you know play it up as like anything silly she's being very serious about this because her friend's being hurt and yeah you know. but then she falls into the wall and it's kind of played as a joke so yeah, but, just, but then, I'm just yeah. like, it's so but, and the thing with her hallelujahs is that they're purposely animated poorly because they're supposed to not be taken seriously. And so I think that kind of is a disconnect with what she's saying in this hallelujah because I think this hallelujah is pretty serious and I think it should have been taken seriously and it's kind of a shame that yeah, I mean, it wasn't. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I personally am able to, to kind of take it seriously because I feel like that this is Mako's way of conveying how she feels. It's the only way that I feel like she knows how to convey what she's feeling in this moment you know while yeah, i have while, to agree 
Yeah. Well, you know, you might see it as, you know, something that just doesn't fit and it breaks away from, from the tension here. I feel like it would be out of character for Mako to, like, you know, suddenly be super serious in, in, in this moment. But when she is conveying how she feels about Yuko and Siketsu's relationship and, like, how that's important and how she's trying to tell Sumugu that, like, she's doing it in the way that she knows how, which is, you know, through her hallelujahs, which is seen as very comedic but you know but this but she understands the the gravity of the situation eros i know that you you absolutely love mako so i wonder if you kind of yeah. have more to say about it yeah i have to agree i feel like mako has her own way of, of expressing seriousness that's different that's not exactly like uh, i hate to like bring it up but like not as like not not in like how neurotypical people would express mm, it because yeah. i know when i get upset i express it more more comedically because i don't want anybody to, to feel bad i just want everybody to feel happy so yeah in a, yeah. yeah in a way i think mako is kind of in, in the same way especially when you kind of consider maybe how she possibly like um grew up you know as a child and being alone most of the time maybe maybe her being more uh spontaneous and a bit more wacky is kind of her way of coping with that loneliness in a way yeah and, and that took her hallelujah more not in the sense that she's trying it's it's moment to not be taken seriously it's like an angel bestowing some knowledge or like even if it's just dumb like how, uh, how it sometimes gets said at but like or, or serious it, it can be either or Cause mm-hmm. I do know later on her one for Hallelujahs where she's like struggling to do the pose. It's like a little more serious. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, because like, because again, mm-hmm. I think the Hallelujahs do represent her way of trying to um, trying to convey the ideas that she has or what she's feeling. That's the only way that that she knows how. And I th- and I think that there it's definitely kind of important to to notice that. Yeah. And I personally do like to think that Mako is maybe, you know, like, on the spectrum. But that's just me, because I'm also on the spectrum, and I just really, really love Mako. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's yeah. definitely, there should be more room for, like, characters like her that, you know, that don't approach things the way other people do, that are, you know, neurodivergent, if you want, you know, since yeah. you're... But, like, she can be the community relief, but also she can be coded as... It's just how I see her. Like I, the the directors and writers might not have had that in mind, but like if I do feel like the coding is there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Regardless, mm-hmm. yeah, that's just where I, you know, or like I or we like um, kind of see value in like how what her role is in that scene and in the episode in general. Yeah, she gives brevity when it's when it's needed. Mm-hmm. She's capable of of doing that just in her own way. But to kind of go back with um, with Ryuko and Saketsu in this moment, um, and throughout the episode uh, in general, and just how much they've connected more, even though like yeah, this is earlier in the season or really in the show in general. It's only episode five, mm-hmm. and we're kind of already getting this very tense like you know moment between them of like you know if if one of us dies, you know like I'm like I'm gonna die with you. I don't really know how to feel about the mohawk guy like in this scene like because like this scene because like he's really just beating her up i mean <laughs> it's like yeah like it's it's very cold and like once again like kill a kill has has tonal issues 
Mm-hmm. Yes, this is easily the most serious episode in the show, I think. Like, it's a very not know- sexy beatdown. <laughs> no. Like, she's naked, he's beating her up. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's brutal. He's just a brutal... I think in that forum post that I talked about, I, I hope I can link it somewhere, because I think it's really good and people should read it. But mm-hmm. I think they talk there about how it's just a, a brutal man brutally beating a teenage girl. Like, it's not, it's not goofy, it's not funny. It's it's harsh. It's real, and I personally, I it really struck me, and it resonated with me because it wasn't so over the top and silly. Like I was like, "Ouch, I feel that." You know, yeah, because that hurts. She's getting brutally beaten. Yeah, kind of. It's hard. Kind of everything, like for the tone of the show, when it's all like within like the setting of the academy, is all like very much kind of like it plays by its own rules in a sense. Where like we can have all this wacky, like over the top anime style like battles and everything, and we're kind of like already settled in with that. But here comes a new character in that kind of brings something more more gruesome and more real into the fold and it just catches you completely off guard. Ooh, like one thing that 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 I did like about that scene where she's like on the bathroom floor is like when Sengetsu jumps up and like and like takes the shot for her and like there's like this moment where like the camera's moving around like it just feels so intense like oh that feels that really just adds to the moment like the shot like like the shot from Sumu's like gun like just echoes out the music just stops it's just there's nothing and like it's treated just like you know just so seriously it's just like oh like oh oh god like it's Because because at this point we don't know like how like uh, the show's gonna progress if it like gave like any like, signs of like oh yeah like, he's not gonna like die here in this like you know in this scene here but it's like for a moment they kind of want you to like they kind of want you to believe for a moment that it's like oh like because he's dead like what's gonna happen now like they kind of want to make you believe that for like just just a second and I think it's just really powerful kind of how they frame that as powerful as this this moment is like later on this season like nudist beast really doesn't do much <laughs> afterwards <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels like kind of a shame because they're like they, they were kind of hyped up but then they just kind of just get brushed aside if anything they kind of take up the the comedic relief role Instead of Mako in the later half of the season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing I really like about that scene where Senketsu um, jumps off is that I think it really communicates to Ryuka that he sincerely cares about her. And I don't think she might not have totally picked that up before because he's kind of... I interpret Senketsu. I know a lot of people see him as fatherly. I don't see him that way. I see him as, you know, kind of like a robot or you know just like a new life who's coming to this world he doesn't know how to people really he's Mm. he's learning how to handle his emotions and he's kind of really robotic in the first few episodes like Mm -hmm. he just calmly tells ryuko like oh you're gonna bleed out or oh sasuke's way stronger than you you're gonna lose and it's not really emotional it's not really Mm -hmm. passionate maybe is the right word like i think he does care but he doesn't know how to express it and he's like still dealing with these emotions because he's kind of a baby you know <laughs> he, I, I, he was I, just born yesterday or whatever <laughs> you know born sexy yesterday but <laughs> I, mean, I mean i wouldn't say i wouldn't say that <laughs> but, <laughs> I know. but if i had to say he, like I don't think there's a word to describe Ryuko and Senegate's relationship. 
Like they just have something there. Like it's nothing that humans could could like put a word to, but it's 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 there. It's real, and you kind of do empathize with it. Yeah, I mean, you've seen people interpret it as love. You've seen them interpret it as just a strong friendship, as a familial bond. And I think that there is uh, there is um, a lot of like uh, this evidence to kind of support uh, each particular way of like interpreting that. You know, even though like um, uh, Marshall was talking about it uh, earlier about the, what the producers uh, intended originally for. Uh, for their relationship to be or how or like how it works within uh, the story they wanted to tell um but i mean like just i mean i, I agree with arrow so like there is like something there and you can kind of you can just you can describe it as uh, however you feel like um whatever you think fits more or whatever whatever like makes sense to you i would label says getsu as like a part of ryuko like a part of her that she never knew was missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, I think that's pretty uh, pretty. Which, which just makes it more tragic in in some scenes. Yeah, <laughs> throughout the series, mm-hmm. not just yeah. not just not just the one that everybody's thinking thinking about <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, Ami Koshimizu, uh, Riko's VA, described the relationship as like friends, like family, like lovers. A very comfortable, close-fitting relationship. So I thought that was that's really sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just I really I really like this episode and what it does for them. But I do wish there was more build-up to it. Like rewatching it now, <laughs> I don't know maybe because I was just doing it so quickly. But it was like it felt oh. like when Mako said she's always whispering to her uniform. We've only seen her talk to Sankatsu like alone a couple times at this point i don't know maybe i would have liked to see a little bit more <laughs> yeah Mako's, yeah Mako's had just pretty... build it up a little more so i could believe the relationship a bit more i really like i love them obviously <laughs> like this is the episode yeah. that got me into this show but i just i wish there's a little bit more yeah i think we always kind of want more from from yeah any, more. yeah, yeah we, <laughs> we always more shirt bonding <laughs> we always want more with we want more with the things we love whether that's just a show yeah. or you know even just uh, or a story in general well it's like it just doesn't really do much like the first couple of episodes is kind of not doing much so i just yeah <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah, which I think I think kind of plays into uh, what uh, a lot of people that you know maybe only watch a show once or like maybe only like watch mm-hmm. the first couple episodes always kind of sees Senketsu as nothing more than literally a piece of clothing, which yeah, very I mean, much I think this is like the most important he ever gets. In, I mean, arguably that he ever it's like the biggest spotlight I think he ever gets in the show. Maybe <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I, say, I love it. I, I love it, and I wish he got some more. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I would say later on that he definitely gets uh, a lot more of a bigger role. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I really like this one. This one's written by Hiroshi Seko, which is, and I th- this is the only episode that he wrote. Kazuki Nakashima wrote, was the main writer for most of the episodes for all of them. So, mm-hmm. For well. Yeah, four and five. I think four was also written by Wakabayashi. <laughs> so those are the only ones that are odd. The rest are, you know, pure Nakashima. So I think that might account for, like, the serious tone of this episode. 
I'm kind of glad that we like you know at least for this current session we're doing that we talked about these five episodes because each one like has sort of given us something different. It, it's it's almost like a like a like a big like a like a box of chocolates, you know. Like for each one's kind of different. You don't know you don't really know what you get until you you take a bite and you kind of see what what's inside of it. Yeah. Yeah, like the the show from this point forward will will get a bit more consistent with like the story and uh and like the the character mm-hmm. arcs and the themes that it wants to tell. But here, like it's just it does feel a bit like like a mess in a in a, in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it feels like a big hodgepodge of like different like themes and like you know tonal shifts and everything that they, that they that it's it stays consistent. Well, I really like the tone of this one, and I know people have problems with it because underneath the serious tone, it's utterly ridiculous. Oh, this woman thought clothes and people could be friends? Like, that just sounds so silly on paper. But I'm just so invested into this. Like, I don't care. I'm just totally into things that are totally ridiculous and are taken dead seriously. Like, I guess that's just my thing. So it totally totally jives with me, but I can get why that's kind of off-putting. And it's it's why I kind of struggle with Kill a Kill because I would because like if there's ever a reboot or something I'd love a more serious kind of gritty hard hitting less comedic Kill a Kill, but at the same and time, I'll have to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> like I, the comedy needs to be there for me, or else it's just like oh, I can just get this from some other anime that's being serious. Yeah, but I'm like the but at the same time, like this thing is so silly. Like just the con the whole concept is ridiculous. Like I don't know how you know, even I though mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, it's just what I really want, Kill a Kill is to be a kid's show. Like <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but like the underlying heart of the show is just friendship. And I don't think you need like this you know, outlandish a uh, scandalous show to be about friendship. You know? <laughs> so I'd love yeah, but- it to be a kids show so you don't have to go like super grim, dark, adult, serious, but <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd love a kids show. And the funny thing is is that the character designer Sushio, when he first saw the initial drafts of the series, he's like, oh, this is like a kid-friendly anime. And he drew the characters more like a kid-friendly anime. And then he later realized, oh, it, it's not. <laughs> but- <laughs> <laughs> but, but I just I really think about that like if you really boil Kill a Kill down it is it is a kid's show in, in my in my heart it's, it's, it's a kid's show it's, it's like <laughs> yeah when you get down it's, to like it's, the... it's, it's about it's about love and friendship and I think this episode shows that perfectly because that's exactly what it's all about <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's I mean that's I mean, that's definitely a, uh, a take that you know that it, I'm not I'm not saying it is a bad take it is not it's not a bad take it's oh it's it's a take it's a controversial take con- I, I tell people is- and like no I want my sex positive kill kill for adults <laughs> this okay. is not even sex and positive that, I'm like okay <laughs> yeah but like I mean I think it, I think with uh, a lot of uh, especially a lot of trigger shows like the the premise or like the main things that they want to touch on are very simplistic in a sense like kill a kill mm-hmm. is about love and friendship and family in a sense and uh, but mm-hmm. also Gurren Lagann's uh, message is basically just to keep persevering and never give up that's a very that that's a that's a theme that could be like in a in a kid show I think yeah 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 yeah, yeah and like um um, Promers about being gay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like it's 
we you can have these simplistic uh tropes and um themes in your show i don't mind them being simple people i think a lot of people do kind of want more they they they, they, they want more depth into anything they're watching even a kid's show and i think like you know shows like gravity falls or like the owl house you know they're really cool and like great for kids even if they have like more serious undertones to it but they're still kid shows um mm-hmm. i don't i don't mind the message being like simplistic as long as like the way they get to it is entertaining whether yeah. that yeah. whether whether that is through doing it through like a completely like kid friendly or like a it could really be a kid-friendly show or like a comedic show or something more serious as long as it gets the message across and like you know i appreciate kind of how they how they display that message i'm completely behind it it's about the journey with like most of these trigger shows yeah yeah and like i'm a character person and i, I, I mean, same here the, the, and i think mm-hmm. the ca- characters in killer yeah. are really i, I like them <laughs> I, I love the i love the characters they're all just fantastic yeah. Really yeah. good. They're fun. They're, they're fun and quirky. I love them. In, in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um. I think that will. Uh. That will do it for episode five. Will um, it? Well, I could. I could go on. I, I, could, I could go on for a while. I. I, really I understand, like but um. <laughs> we've already. Oh, look at the time. I understand, but um. This current recording session we've had is like four hours. <laughs> I don't believe we have the time for that. Okay. 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 Um. But I just love that last scene a lot. I just. I just want to say that. It's. It's, I, it's good. It's, 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 it's wonderful. It's. It's. It's, it's sweet. Because I think it brings up. I, I just want to say this quickly. <laughs> just, yeah, just go, really quick. go, go ahead. Because go I think it brings up um, the idea of agency. I think Ryuka's agency is taken away from her a lot in a lot of anti kill kill discourse, and that kind of really bothers me. They act like she's just forced into wearing Senketsu, and it just totally removes how she feels about it. And I think the scene at the end kind of brings it up, especially in the manga adaptation, because in the manga adaptation, Senketsu says, Oh, you're stuck with me. You're forced to wear me. It's you have no choice. I'm your only clothes, and she's like, "No, I'm not wearing you because you're my only clothes. It's because we're friends." And I really like that. It's, it's like she's not forced to be with him. She wants to be with him. She likes him, and I just, mm-hmm. I really like that. It's really sweet to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just wanted to say that real quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eros, do you have anything else to add? No, no. What's in this episode? I just, I just remembered. Uh, <laughs> there's actually Jacuzzi a lot Ray. I can say about yeah. Nonon in this episode, oh, but we'll, I'll, I'll skip it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I can't believe they're going to here. She literally did not do anything. <laughs> she just, no, like, made she, it. She did. She did do things. It was important. I could, I could rant, but well, we can stop. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, Nonon uh, came in and, like, kind of interrupted the, the sequence and was also, like, you know, observing what was you know, happening making the fight harder for Rico. yeah making the fight yeah that too yeah. an already imbalanced fight y- yeah made it a not, l- not in a bad way it's to like add more eight to make her Whoa. seem more human especially after since like in the beginning she's just like getting rid of people back and forth yeah <laughs> so well well this episode's interesting because she purposely sends clubs after Rico that she knows are weak Right. Yeah, because she doesn't that... want Ryuko to just be beaten easily. That's boring. And she says it, and Sasuke claims at the end, you know, the whole point of this was to gather data on Sumugu and, and probably Ryuko as well. So they didn't even want to catch Ryuko. They didn't even want to, you know, have her lose or anything like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, they... And no one knew exactly what Sasuke wanted without Sasuke having to say it straight out. So I think that's important for their relationship. But... 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's definitely my fault that I forgot about that. That's also important. <laughs> I feel bad about that. <laughs> Dude, why do I the mean, urinals have not, spikes? It's not super in your face, and it makes more sense once you've watched the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, why do the urinals have spikes? Why do the urinals I didn't I, realize that the whole big scene takes place in the boys' bathroom, I and like not, the, the, the urinals have spikes on them. I, I did not notice that. Um, I just have the frame frozen there on, I, on my video. I'm like, hey, wait a minute, what is the point of having spikes on your fucking uh, urinals? <laughs> All right, well, I think that's a great place to leave off there <laughs> with spiked urinals. Also, the urinal is way too close to the sink. <laughs> 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 All right. Thank you for, for tuning in and listening to this episode. Um, this is the end of our current recording session. Thank you so much to both of you for coming in uh, for this and talking for four hours. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Th thanks for having me yeah. for these episodes. <laughs> yes. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.